Hey guys, this is Keir from RugbyStrengthCoach.com. Welcome to episode 9 of the Rugby Strength Coach podcast. In today's guest, we have the head of strength and conditioning from Essex County Cricket Club. Good friend of mine from the London Wasps days, it's Connor Brown. So first off, mate, thanks very much for uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. And uh, this is actually version 2 for us because I fucked up the first one trying to record it. Thanks for your time. Yeah, we were just saying beforehand that this is going to be way better than the first one, hey? Let's hear what So, um, you're, um, you're head of, head of S&C for Essex, Essex Cricket now. Do you want to kind of give people a little bit of um, background about how you kind of got to that point in your career and all the, all the different steps along the way? Was your missus having a baby when you left, or did that come a little bit after at Essex? Uh, well, yeah, she was found out about two days after Dan said he was going to move on. Found out I was having uh, a baby, so I sort of thought I need to on a little bit. <laughs> crank it up a notch, eh? Hey? <laughs> just crank it up and not have uh, someone decide my fate. Yeah, so... Mate, that's it. High risk, high reward, hey. <laughs> now you, um, mate, you've already mentioned it already. Like a, a big thing in terms of career development that a lot of people miss is the fact that you you've had a mentor in in Dan Howes kind of from from day one in your career. And by the sounds of it, you were you were trying to do stuff even when you were an undergraduate to try and progress your career. Was that kind of by design, or did that just happen and and you were lucky and kept going with it in that regard? scheme working with like some synchronized swimmers and stuff but that, I mean, that, was, that was pretty minimal but 
it's just little bits and bobs just around the uni helping out and then like I said uh, yeah met up with Dan we got on quite well and I had to do like a professional observation module as part of my uni and uh, Dan always jokes I just fall around the gym with a notepad going Dan did this Dan did that Dan did this. <laughs> I think I've still got that so I'll show him someday me slagging him off behind his back because <laughs> um, it wasn't it wasn't sport science to the nth degree but to be fair um, even a lot of stuff I still do now is based on based from Dan but I think even people with mentors end up like that don't they They're, what you believe your philosophies can be I mean obviously I was lucky to have a good mentor but if you've got a good one you end up basing your stuff on what they do yeah yeah definitely and I think you know you that's another thing that you did well it's like you you basically did it all perfectly is the fact that you were getting bits of coaching experience from from all over the shop before you'd even graduated like I mean I've kind of been quite open with people about how terrible I was when I graduated university and that's because I'd, I'd never coached at all and you know by the end of by the end of your graduate degree you'd, you'd been atrocious. you were you know you were banging it out all over the place you got yourself a mentor and um did did he offer you the internship straight off the bat or were you were you working with him for a little bit yeah, before that happened Always make plenty of mistakes. How did that go down? Mate, try six months. Yeah. <laughs> trying to keep her happy. You mean you're just he's trying to balance everything. It's not just about reading the science and reading the theory behind coaching and it's it's you have to do the time at the coal face. And I'm glad that I went I did all those hours and did those years making my mistakes in a position of I mean, not a lot of responsibility and under the right people who didn't just kick me out of the first first set. Yeah. Great degree, but you don't get the opportunity to coach as much. Like you coach each other 
Mate, have you got your hand over the um, the mic of your phone? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can now, yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. I might have. Um, no, let me think. Um, um, but yeah, like, just... Sorry? No, go ahead, mate. Go on. Sorry, I was just interrupting you. Yeah, sorry. So, like, you mean, all the stuff now, like, coming out of, like, Franz Bosch, Nick Winkler and stuff, all, like, the, the simple things, like, in terms of, like, external feedback... I mean, some people get really into it, which I think is great for the FC industry in terms of like the external focus and things. But for me, if people, I mean, at the UK, last year's UKSCA conference, Nick Wigglin spoke, and you could see a lot of people hadn't didn't have any background reading at all. Which is not, I mean, that's not bad by them. They had no background reading in all that coaching styles and things, and some people were just completely lost. And if anything, if they could just take away from it, just just don't speak as much when coaching. Like just just facilitate. Absolutely, say, yeah. Say, say where you're doing, and, and if if someone had told me that as a nineteen, nineteen, or whatever, twenty-one year old coming out of uni, I'd have made it myself a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> less blank faces just staring at me. I mean, people knew exactly what to do to squat, but couldn't do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's well, it's funny you should mention Nick's name because you know people talk about those kind of light bulb moments in their career. Um, the the Exos mentorship that I first did, and he was the the lead yes. tutor of that in twenty eleven. He did yeah. a presentation on um, the science of coaching, and it was one of those light bulb moments where I realised, you know, actually, it doesn't matter at all what I have in my head unless I can get a room full of athletes to do it, and there's a huge amount of variation in people's ability to be able to do that. And you, you can have a shit program, but if you get your athletes to, to absolutely nail it and get every little bit of information that's in your head, that's going to be a great program with, with zero application. So it's, yeah. it's massive. No, absolutely. Like, I mean, what was, um, but it, I was thinking like, it's the confidence. Like I, I was saying, I said my interview at Essex, like I said, over the, I'm at the stage now where I've got the confidence to walk in on my first day if I get the job, and you're gonna you're gonna watch me and you're thinking and some some people are gonna watch me thinking what's he doing? Yeah. So I've got confidence <laughs> now to stand there and go all right, go on, yep, go again, that's good. But I'm not gonna be running around trying to impress the coaches. Yeah. Whereas when I first, even when I first started watched, I was it's as if I was trying to impress Dan still. I was still trying to make sure that I was trying to impress the wasp players thinking. Oh yeah, this guy knows. He's busy. He's chatting. He he knows what he wants to do. Like when I first started thinking of women, like Dan was just like, no, 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 no. like don't coach yet. Yeah. <laughs> just watch. Yeah. Like, you watch me for quite a while. Like, he wouldn't let me near them because I think he could tell straight away that I was going to just start reading the technique book. Yeah. Um. So it, if anything, doing for any young coaches coming through, it, it's a big. Yeah, you can read all this theory and people are lucky like the likes of some of the posts you put out about the best books you've read like that's gonna like, the fact that you got on the Charlie Fantas early I think you might agree that because you read Charlie Fantas recently early in your career helped you would you say that? I wouldn't say like early early I'd always been I'd always been aware of him um, just because I'm a bit of a you know a bit of a trivia geek and I knew about him through Ben Johnson I'd yeah. seen a couple of documentaries it wasn't until I really understood just how important he was to strength and conditioning until I got to meet James Smith and speak to him in person. And, you know, James kind of learned it firsthand from Charlie Francis before he died. 
and yeah. you actually and uh, I'll tell you who else as well it was Mike Boyle that made me realise like actually this guy is a fucking genius and what it was he was talking about the fact that even you know in in America in the USA even in England Europe all of the the major nations in the 80s were using drugs in, in track and field and yet it was Charlie yeah. Francis group of athletes that were breaking the world records and winning the world championships and it wasn't just Canada it was his club in Toronto and success leaves clues and it was it, I basically thought right I, I need to learn what this guy's got to say and it's that kind of I, I'm a big fan of um, stopwatch sports because I think you can you might be you might agree with this in rugby there's a huge amount of room for a strength and conditioning coach to hide and be bad at their job because you can blame it on the weather you can blame it on the ref you can say oh the head coach is, a, is an idiot but in a stopwatch sport like track and field or or weightlifting, or the jumps, or the throws, and stuff like that. Either you get better, or you don't. And there's there's far less room to hide. And I think a, a coach like Charlie Francis, he's he did it again and again and again in a stopwatch sport. So that's why I'm such a big fan of his. Yeah, no, you just talk about him. Right? You're the first person that got me onto it. Was and like that's what I was gonna say. Like people are lucky that you have your posts and like. Um, things like the forum and things and people people will talk and learn these to hopefully you get a, a, people to get onto these literature and theory quicker so that's great but like I say it's about getting onto the it's just the time like time only got me to where I am yeah purely from a confidence standpoint like whether I was just a slow learner it took me a longer to get the confidence but I've now got the yeah, mate, I'm, I was exactly the same because, you know, I, I graduated and I, I was lucky enough to get a few internship interviews off the bat and I, I sucked so hard because I was nervous and I didn't have that experience of just being able to, to just kind of bang out a session or, or do a group of athletes and it took me a couple of years to uh to get to that point and yeah. when i finally did get that interview with tappers at, at london wasps he said because he said have you have you interviewed for clubs before and i was quite honest i said yeah and i sucked and he said well what's the difference between now and then and i said well you know now i've, I've actually coached a couple of thousand hours of uh of sessions you know yeah. not all of them have been rugby some of them have been fat housewives but you can you can just yeah. do that in your sleep after a couple of thousand hours and i tell you what's really improved me coaching in um in, in general, is trying to coach in a foreign language because when when you're terrible at that foreign language, it's you have to think about every single word that comes out of your mouth and try and make it really simple and really economical and it, it actually makes coaching in English a lot easier. I'd say your um, I'd say your body language is is at, is peak at, peak in your coaching in the foreign language. Oh, a lot of uh, pantomiming, yeah. Yeah, but even just the way they. Yeah. A lot of stuff I do, I think, comes quite well. It's just the way you use the body language. I mean, whether you need to be, well, I don't like the word aggressive, but if you have to be assertive, more assertive, that's a good word. <laughs> um, Jeff, Jeff Storm would love you for that one. Yeah. Um, using the word assertive. Um, yeah, being assertive with um, players, even by your body language, but then, like senior players, you're not going to stand square to a senior player. Get right in his face. So you just kind of touched on the 
the the cultural and and psychological side of training um you i think we talked before as well about the uh the chimp paradox by steve peters do you want to talk a little bit about what you kind of learned from that book and how you're applying it to your work now yeah so like first off the main thing i took from it because i do agree with it and some people don't is that everyone's different and everyone's got something in them they've got a little chimp in there like you see someone having road rage that's a little chimp kicking off or you see someone not performing on the field and stamping their feet or slamming the ground that's a little chimp and um, one of the good things in the book is when you're going to approach approach, approach someone, it doesn't have to be a player, it could be your, could be, uh, your missus or a family member. It's about, he talks about things like right place, right time, having the right agenda, and going in with like an open mind that you can't go in with a win or lose attitude. I know, I know that seems a bit bizarre because like, you want to get a player to do a fitness session because they haven't done one in about two weeks. Yeah. Like cricket, for example, because it's such a long schedule. Like some of my lads might not do something through the 10 to 14 days. Um, if I go there, just steamroll in front of all the players and go, like, what are you doing? Like, I've just, just realised you haven't trained two weeks. Straight away, his champ's going to kick off, especially if a senior player. He's going to get riled up and he'll, he'll try and put me in my place. And to be honest, in the, in the cricket world, as an SNC coach, I will get put in my place. Yeah. So I've got to get him, pull aside, not, not, not a sneaky way as in trying to like, get, him off all, get him away from all his friends. But just, just a reason with them. It's in the same way for me. I've got in cricket, we get stress fracture injuries, and that could be up to like a year out. And if you have, so that's a long, long, long rehab process after after quite a hefty shutdown. And you've got players who are very frustrated. Like we've got a couple now who are watching all the boys out playing, enjoying themselves, like in the sun after the winter, and they're getting very, very frustrated. And here, here's me walking over and saying, "Right, come on, you're going to run when everyone's finishing off." Get lunch, so I can't just go. I can't just strut over there and go right. And you get, I've got to go about it a different way. I've got to just put an arm around them and say, you know, we got, you know, we've done. Like it has to be. You, you know, it needs to be done. Not just go over and say you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then again, the thing, the thing about the chimp paradox, and also like the book How to Influence and Influence People, for for people who are good or half decent coaches. A lot of it's just basic. Yeah. But you, you just do it. The, the chimp paradox, you know not to approach a senior player and go, what the hell are you doing? Or what the hell have you been? They'll just look at you. Someone might just look at you and not even justify it. They'll just walk off. <laughs> yeah. Or someone will have a go at you. But then again, you know that. Like, even you go to Argentina and you go to like lobby or something like that and go, what the hell? Why? If they better weight on and you start just giving them, giving them shit about it, if you go really heavy at them, he'll just call it he'll just basically stand up and walk out. Oh, he's, he's an alpha. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, you, exactly. The seniors are the alphas. If you've got an alpha, they'll, they'll put it in your place, knock you out, sit you down, or just walk away. And you, you've lost everything. Whereas, you mean, but again, with the junior players, you obviously can manipulate them a bit more. But again, being a good coach, you don't want to take the piss out of it. You don't want to abuse the position. Like we've got some young, we've got a young bowler at the minute who was working in an office over the winter um, until his contract came into effect. And he's just desperate to do well. Like, he'll do whatever's asked. And it'd be so easy for me just to go, just to boost my ego and get him training all the time. But I can't because, A, he might break him. But B, when he's an older player, he'll, I'll end up losing him in about 10 years' time because he'll think back and just realise that I've abused that position. Yeah. 
Um, so would you say there's a big cultural difference between between rugby and cricket, or is it quite similar? Um, I, I do. Yeah, I think there's definitely a difference. Um, again, this is just my opinion. Like, I just feel that in rugby, it is very alpha-driven, but then again, it is a contact sport. Like, you have to actually front up and try and level someone into the next week. Like, you, you actually... Obviously, in both sports, you get anxiety pre-competition, but in my opinion, it's just a little bit different in rugby because you actually could get really badly injured. I mean, obviously, not that you can in cricket. I mean, after uh, the pretty pretty sad Philip Hughes incident. Yeah. But thankfully, in cricket, it is very rare. I'm not saying that you can't get hurt in cricket, but in rugby, you could go every week and get split open every week and get quite bad head injury. Um, I mean, there's every week now. There's more and more players retiring due to concussion. Um, like, but obviously the performance. Um, actually, the pressure to perform in both sports is exactly the same. But I just find that in rugby, that 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 alpha atmosphere, there's all these players trying to be the big dog, and whether it's just where I am that like at wasps they die rules the roost. The dreaded rugby rules the roost. Yeah. And there's no 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 ifs no buts. The players are effectively. Scared of him, but they just, they just they, they, he is the boss. Yeah. And I'm not saying that at, at Essex the head coach is not the boss because if he really stamps his foot down, it happens. But it's just a little bit more laid back. Like he um, he'll take into he'll take into consideration what the players are talking about because like or the rugby players. Yeah, you have got your Andy Goos and stuff that are pretty old for for a rugby player. But in cricket, you have got guys playing up until they're nearly forty. Um, well, not so much forty now, but. Our squad, uh, the average age is about 26, but that's with players on both ends of the scale. Right? Yeah. In that middle 25, 26, 27 category. That's all mid 30s and uh, teens, 20s. So the, the team is led by the coach and a lot, a lot of input with senior players. And, but when you're, when, you're, when you're playing five days out of seven, players are out on the pitch it's not like rugby the rugby is super intense eight minutes once a week but it's so quick and fast and furious that it's done before you even get before you realize it yeah whereas you're four days out on the pitch the players have to lead the coach can't be sat in the band up on the balcony leading everything yeah i was gonna ask you if you thought it was like the, the, players, the players have to just get on with it yeah i was gonna say do you think it's in a way, almost it's the pace of the game as well and the, the amount of time that they spend around one another because I suppose in, in rugby, to an yeah. extent, you can you can shatter one another and you can go home at the end of the day and, and decompress and that's it. But if, if you're together for four days or five days out of seven for however many weeks, like you, you can't necessarily take as many liberties with relationships with people, I guess.
multiplies the amount of time you have to be face to face because I think um, they expand phones not because I came, but just as a coincidence. And the point of the players, they get, most clubs, they just sit there on the phones, just stare at the phones. No one was chatting, no one was talking about cricket, and they got rid of them. And the boys said themselves, like Essex, for example, the boys are really chatting now, everyone's sort of talking to each other, about, about the, even about their own technique. Like some of the senior players who before were just sat on their phone whilst the junior guy sat on his phone. The senior guy's now helping the junior guy. Like they're just sitting chatting, talking through, batting and things like that, or setting their fields. Um, like you said, if you're if you're a bit of a if you're a bit of a knob, if you're a real cocky, arrogant youngster coming through, and you're not want to listen to the, the old guy that's been bowling for eighteen years, well, you're not gonna last very long. Yeah, how um how do you deal with that kind of schedule? Obviously, like if they're if they're playing five days out of seven, how do you get the training in? Is, is there an opportunity to train throughout the the games? For example, if they get bowled out, or is it just you training the gaps? Yeah, so, so throughout the game. Um, so, best case scenario, if we bowl first, and let's just say, let's just say we bowl for the first day and a bit, then you, maybe you get your bowlers in for a little short session straight after, uh, but again, they're not like, quite tired, but you might get a little bit out of them, um, but as long as your batters have been doing well, if just, I mean, not, not just here, but if just, let's just say our batters weren't doing very well, then kind of thinking, well, we could be bowling again quite soon if the batters get out. Um, so that, um, I know that I spoke to one of the other county SNCs and just I mean, just bad luck. Uh, a few of the batters got injured and as soon as they finished bowling, not straight away, but the batters weren't lasting very long at the crease and the bowlers were having to go and do it again. And he said there was a point of about maybe five weeks worth where his bowlers just didn't get any like S C work done. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were just so tired. So, like, I mean, you said, like, we've talked about the five-day schedule, five days out of seven. At times, some of my lads could, could go quite quite, quite a long time, actually, without gymming. Um, but bowling itself is such a, such a high stimulus. Um, that I spend more of my time kind of hurting on and being quite pushy about uh, recovery. Like we make sure the lads go to the pool in the morning. Um, I mean, we're kind of doing. Like, I mean, if they want to, they can have ice baths. Um, we don't. Uh, that's not compulsory. Um, I mean, because there's a lot of research now saying people absolutely hate it and they're not going to get anything from it. Yeah, <laughs> some some guys love it. Some guys hate it. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I know there's obviously mixed research about the whole ice thing now and recovery and lymph lymph nodes and stuff. And, like whatever people want to say about it, but if someone, like when I played rugby, I used to love it, like I felt that it really helped, and I would be desperate for it after a game, whereas I now play a little bit, and I couldn't think of anything worse, because <laughs> it's just bloody freezing. You're getting old now, yeah. mate. <laughs> yeah, so, but like I said, I mean, the batters normally, even during pre-season, can get through a little bit more work, um, um, because, not because they don't work hard, but if a batter does nick off for a second, third ball, I mean, some of our better guys will just even. We've got one guy, he just heads off before I realise he's already in the gym. Just, I mean, well, he, can't, he just likes doing the treadmill. Um, but again, I, I don't get too precious in season because it's such a mental sport. I don't. I guess I don't want to upset anyone. I know that's a bit airy fairy, 
Yeah. I do like the boys do what makes them feel good. Oh, there's a there's a, there's a massive psychological component to to a skill like cricket, like to you yeah, know to be on your feet for two days with someone trying to knock your head off with a ball. It's it's yeah, got to be. You just you just hit, you just hit the buzzword. It's a skill sport. Like I mean, you get people like when I first moved from Wasps to Essex, everyone was like, everyone was like, what the hell are you gonna do with cricketers? But I was like, if you come and watch a fielding session and the coaches are like drilling the ball on the ground or in the air out 50, 60, 70 yards. Well, let's just say 50 yards, and you've got a single foam stump, full-height full stump, but it's foam, and you just stand and watch, and if you weren't watching anything but the stump, and all of a sudden the stump just keeps getting peppered, and you go, whoa, right, the whole squad, and quite a few of them, will hit the stump, and in the cricket world, people go, yeah, so what? That's a bit like lining a goal kicker up along the goal line, telling him to hit the post from side on. Yeah. <laughs> hey, all right, off you go. Let's see how many you get. Like Johnny Wilkes would, 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 at his peak would probably have done it quite repetitively. He would have done it repetitively. Yeah. And that's an example of how good he was. And it's the same with these lads. Some of the lads who are just... I mean, it's probably the lads who I see the least are the ones that hit with the stump the most. So are you saying it's your job mostly just to keep them on the pitch and make sure that they're they're available when the coach needs them? for the FC and sports medicine team and he said two things does it keep them on the pitch and does it make them better if, it's, if it sits outside that you're not allowed to do it I like it <laughs> that's exactly it he says basically he said don't dare do anything other than that to distract time away from the boys it must keep them on the pitch and it must make them better yeah right no ifs no buts and we we try and, well I try to well, give me give me a breakdown of. Let's imagine you've got a, a batsman who's, he's just got bowled out first ball, and you you've got him for the rest of the day. He's done nothing else. What what are you going to do with him? Assuming you've got all the equipment, space, and time that you need, what are you going to do with him for that day? Yeah. So let's just say he he hasn't trained much um, in the last few days, or even sort of the last week or so. Um, again. I like most SSC coaches. I, I come back to strength, and if he if he if he doesn't mind the gym, I'll get him over to the gym, and I'll run him through. I, most of my lads go. It's normally whole body, um, at, at, in the very thick of the thick of the season, I let them do upper body. But for me, it's normally whole. Um, I've, I've only got about two or three players in my squad of about twenty that actually squat. Okay. Just for those, like I mean, most a lot of them. Um, well, very much lunge variations or goblet. I mean, a lot of my goblet squat. When I say squat, I mean back squat. Um, not very many of my lads at all will, will front or back squat with the barbell because it's, it's just not there. It's not in the culture here. Um, I mean, with, with our young squad, we're starting to bring it through. Um, but I'm not going to start making people do it if they've really, never really done it. Um, uh, I'm happy. I hate using the term. Uh, I kind of go for a very strong man functional approach. I don't like using the word functional, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> um, so, uh, Dad's an asshole, hate me. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna, he'll be chasing me next time I see him. Um, but yeah, I, I go because I just thought in, the boys don't need, this again is my opinion, the boys don't absolutely strong as, by absolute numbers. And for me, if they can be relatively strong and 
strong in that open chain manner. Like, I, I get him doing, like, single arm curl press in a lunge. Like, stuff that just stresses the trunk and getting them to do it at different angles. Um, they'll do, like, single arm off bench dumbbell press or, like, they'll hang it off the side of the bench. Just things that, again, are very airy-fairy to the strength strength part of um, to, even to rugby um, a lot of guys would say why well, would they wouldn't waste time doing that in rugby but for me I spent a lot of my time doing sort of single arm stuff single leg stuff um, I wouldn't say unstable training because I'm not a big fan of like, instability things like that again that's just my my preference um, but we do spend a lot of time on a, on a whole body um, again, I work in tri-sets with my boys, and the boys can get bored very quickly because gym's not in them, it's not part of them. Like, you and I can go to the gym. I mean, we both play, play rugby, and we're like the, the rugby players. We can go there, and if someone says to me, right, you're doing five-fives on bench, five-five squat, and you're going to just have nice heavy rest periods between them. We can sit and chill, and we appreciate we need the tip yeah. time because we, we lift an intensity that you're like, yeah, I actually need three minutes rest. Whereas my lads, some they don't lift at that intensity, but they're just like, yeah, what's next? Like, they just want to get on with it. Yeah. But I suppose so, as well, they're at, the, um, they're at the training age as well where they don't need a large intensity to get a training effect. No, so, no, no, you, you know, yeah. you can perform that's, training in that manner. Yeah, that's another reason why I'm happy with, like, getting them on a dumbbell reverse lunge. Like, some of them might do a barbell reverse lunge. Um, probably because it hurts their hands a little dumbbell. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but yeah, so I always work with triceps, and it means I call it filler, more or less. It'll always be like a lunge with like a press, and then like a, a stretch. So I'll do a lot of like a lot of Kelly Stretch stuff. To try and I mean, well, I know it's not just his stuff, but um, Kelly Stretch is obviously helping the FNC world mobility-wise, um, help it push on. And uh, I'll always have a the third exercise in all three. Will always be a mobility exercise um, and the boys actually really like that and then they've got literally 10 20 seconds grab a drink and go again because um, the, the the mope can take up to a minute or so so they always got time yeah what do you do in the way of um, power development do you do like medicine ball tosses or do you do, you, you do Olympic lifting anything like that uh, well first off no no Olympic lifting um, a, it's me on my own of 10 or more and I haven't got the time and I also if I had the time I probably wouldn't do it anyway um, I've got one player that likes the idea of a clean um, so he does he does a little bit of cleans but that's because I think he had the opportunity when he was younger to learn yeah um, uh, I spent a little bit of time with my academy teaching it because uh, I've got small groups but again I just uh, for me until they've got a pretty good broad jump kind of movement jump, squat jump, uh, like a single leg step up jump, think of, or even like a reactive jump off a step, until they can boss those and they're, they're jumping massive numbers, now I'm not too worried about yeah. the Olympic lifts in. Um, I know in rugby it's got a bit, a bit more of a place, um, but for me, like, like you said, the training age, um, and if they can relatively throw their own body weight around, but they have to be in a quick field, then uh, I'm, I'm definitely getting somewhere. I'm not on the right tree, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do do we we do med ball stuff. Um, like when we got slams, we got a lot of uh, throwing stuff. Um, Eric Cressy put some good good videos out quite a while ago. Um, how he trains his pitchers. Um, uh, not to say that it's the same thing, but just in terms of throwing power. Yeah. Um, Still quite a large um, transverse plane component yeah. to it. Well, I um I spoke to the the performance director at Northampton Saints, and um, they they brought Eric Cressy in for a couple of days last year to consult with him, and they said he weighs like eighty five kilos and he was front squatting um one sixty for a couple of reps, no problem, which is you know pretty impressive <laughs> as well. Yeah, he's got, what is he? he's got like a, is that a six hundred pound deadlift? I it might be six sixty. I think it was three hundred kilo deadlift he's got it with uh, with straps. Absolutely, that's ridiculous. Well, mate, I did um. I did a podcast this morning with uh, Mike Hedleski. He's a powerlifter from the States, and he, he's deadlifted 816 pounds, which is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> that's, it's just different. It's different gravy, mate. That's this top of cricket, different gravy. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Like, so, I mean, Eric, yeah, like Eric Cressy, has got twin daughters now or something like that, and he's still training away. So You've, you've got no excuse, eh? Hey? Now I've got a question for you. This is this is actually tying into uh, a discussion that I had with some Aussie strength coaches at a dinner the other night, um, and I w- I will say at, at this dinner as well, we actually got to meet one of the uh, the SWAT guys from the, the the Martin Place siege in Sydney a few months back, which was crazy. And we were talking to him about the training and all the all the different demands of that, which was super interesting. But one of the guys there was um, he's from a soccer background. And we were talking about, you know, how do you how do you get around the the traditional problem of of a soccer environment, and that is that they're playing so many days out of the week, and they're either prepping or recovering for that. That it means that you have a real problem on your hands in terms of training because when you do get that opportunity to train the guys and you you seize the opportunity, you probably create quite a lot of soreness. And I was wondering, is that an issue for you? And if it is, do you do things to, to get around that, for example, by performing, you know, like sled work or concentric work only and trying to reduce that soreness? Yeah, so, so first of all, I'm quite glad you brought your sort of mind to me. Yeah, honestly, when, when someone comes to me, the first thing I do is pull up the little log I keep from everyone because it's like players and I've got a terrible short-term memory. So I pull up the short-term, I pull up the short, their um, little log and go, right, when was last time you trained? If they can't really remember even though it might have been like less than a week. And if it is more than a week or so, I have to go, again, when I first started out, I came out of uni, I'd have went, oh, great, I've got you. Right, you're mine. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, are, we are going for this. We've got an hour. Let's, let's get this done. Like, we're, going, we're, going, we're going big time. Whereas now, I'm like, oh, we're going to have to go easy here. Yeah. He might, he might be buzzing. He might have had caffeine. He might have just done a really good fielding drill. And he's, he's pepped the stump. And he's like, no, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, mm, nah, like we got to keep, keep the intensity low because you've got to get in about two, like a day's time and 
if you can barely throw the ball because your pecs are about to burst, then I'm going to get it in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> from you and from the coach because you can't throw the ball onto the boundary or whatever. Like, I'm not saying throw his pecs just for a note. <laughs> 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 so, um, but yeah, so I straight away, like, something that I'm pretty glad I do quite well is that I always factor in what they've done before. Um, and it, like, like you said, um, something that I'm, I mean, admittedly, I'm only really getting into it now. I suppose, like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really trying to work out a list of exercises that are very much concentric only, likes as likes as um, the sled work, um, which I, I struggle to get as much done, but more because of our facilities. Like, we have to use the virgin gym next door. Um, I mean, we do have somewhere I can't put the sled out, but most of the lads who do want to train come to me and go, can we train? Yeah. Um, and I just know that if I go, yeah, let me go and get the sled and the weights out, they'll go, uh, no. <laughs> they'll just look at me as if I've got four heads. Yeah. They're like, no, no, we're going over to the gym now. Like, I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, I can't remember, I read an article recently, someone, they were talking about using, like, um, using, like, dumbbell step up and things like that, as long as you just come down straight away and don't obviously have a slow eccentric, um, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm slowly trying to put more thought towards that alongside the million other things that we're always trying to think about and develop. Yeah. Um, but that is definitely one of the things that I'm trying to get better at. Oh man, everyone's got their things that they try to get better at, hey? Yeah, I think you know I could definitely lift with more intensity if I picked the right exercises. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the minute, I'd probably do shoot straight towards, right, let's just go medium intensity and let's get a half decent volume and let's just get you going through the range of motion. Whereas if I picked the right thing, I wouldn't have that fear as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, that, well, mate, that actually might, that might be one of those examples where the, the Olympic lifts would be appropriate because obviously if you've got bumpers, you, you're not really doing an eccentric, especially if you're doing the power variations. You've just got to, you know, do do a pull, and then you can just let go of it. Yeah, no, that was very good. And then uh, Sam Portland put a video, uh, just as an example, he put a video on Facebook today, I think, and it was someone doing, it's kind of like a, a tiered run up boxes onto a softbox. Yeah, that's his girlfriend. She's um she's a heptathlete. Oh, right, cool. So, yeah, massive to, to manage um, training training load for a girl like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he put on, um, he said something about managing the eccentric stress um, again that because I read something about a week ago and then that brought it back into my memory and I was like oh yeah like, I was thinking about that and it was great it was a really good video from him yeah so we've, we've talked a little bit about this and I've talked to Tom on the first episode of the podcast about this and this is the idea that a strength and conditioning program only works when you see an improvement in on-field performance and you know, it's not enough to to just see the squat go up or the, the deadlift go up or, you know, even a clean and jerk, for example, go up and then pat yourself on the back and say, yeah, the program works because it doesn't always guarantee a transfer to the field of play. So I was wondering, do you have key performance indicators that you have in place to try and infer that your program's working or are you using jump, gym numbers at this at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I, I think it's such a skill-based sport. I think I, I, I think at the, 
my understanding at the moment, my level of knowledge at the moment, I think it's pretty difficult to have anything other. Yeah. You know, so like the, the things that, that I'm, you know, I just think off the top of my head, something like, for example, bowling velocity or maybe the time taken to, you know, like do two runs in, in, in like a shuttle in pads with a bat, for example, you know. Ah, right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, so we, when I first arrived, we have our basic KPIs come from England, which we put on like the online system for them to keep an eye on for the whole squad. I mean, that's like your kind of room jump, your broad jump. Um, like weights, skinnies, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, we monitor, like, I'll keep a little eye on, like, total chin ups or, like, simple things because the lads don't have, like, super big. You know, we don't, like I said, we don't have, I mean, I don't, I don't barbell bench press my guys. You know, I keep an eye on the dumbbell bench and I keep an eye on their, I mean, for some of them, I do keep an eye on the, like, the dumbbell split squat or the goblet squat, things like that. Yeah. Like, you don't really go so heavy with the goblet squat. Um, but, yeah, uh, this year, this winter, so last November, I did start, um, again, after conversations with Dan Vaness, Dan Somerset, um, who you'll have, to, you'll have to get on. Um, we chatted, I, I've started doing like running twos and running threes, um, but uh, in terms of bowling velocity, we, we don't actually measure that that much. Oh, really? Um, no, again, some counties might be completely different. I know that it comes up, it comes up on TV and stuff because they've got the radar pointed down the wicket. Um, our, our bowling coach does have, he does have a um, a radar gun, but very rarely do do we use it again because most of the training, most most them um, training overs, we don't want. Well, we don't want the boys going flat out, but most of the boys will say that they could bowl a lot faster, um, because they bowl so much in the season. And over such a long period, a lot of them bowl like within themselves, not in a bad way as to like being lazy, but just because from a self-preservation type thing. Um, a lot, and and I suppose like any sport, a lot of lads could go a lot harder, um, but especially over that four-day period. Like in, in rugby, it's like you've got to go as hard as you can. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the lads like I could potentially bowl every day out of four. And it's hundreds and of balls, right? Connor told me to. <laughs> um, so yeah, we can keep a bit of wire there, but 
eye on the twos and threes. Um, and then obviously, like, we do keep an eye on speed and things. Um, what like, what measures of speed do you do? In season. I can't really, can't really do it in season because if, uh, if I ask someone to sprint flat out and they, and they, because of all the fatigue, because they don't really get a chance to fully recover, like, yeah. because of the five days out of seven. And the only thing I can really get through in season, again, all the kinds might be different, is just like kind of river jump and things like that. If I can get them, get them to get a jump after a decent warm up, just to see if they're like miles off or decently on it, then I can just see if someone's really, really, really like depreciating, or if they're just sort of holding on there. But yeah. The nature of the beast is that they will, they will reduce, they will go down. Yeah, it's just trying to minimise that, hey. Yeah, but uh, think about the, the, um, a lot of the data from the last few years and over for cricket is that the actual, the actual like, sort of every week fitness will get better because they spend so much time just out there on their feet just taking over that the lads actually end up at the end of the season without much, like, red-zoned, I mean, we talk about red-zoned fitness work, they actually end up doing better than, like, the yo-yo and stuff. As long as they haven't picked up to make knocks, they actually end up doing well at the end of season fitness tests. And and you use the yo-yo to assess um, energy system development for cricket. Yes, yeah. I mean, the of, I there's so many years worth of data on it. Um, I tried the 30, the forty meters, thirty fifteen miles, um, and for me, I mean, I, I, I don't. I actually quite like it because it's it's short and it's a bit more short and sharp and it's over a bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, the boys, like, I mean, I, I said to the boys, I was like, right, you're going to do this test. I want you to try it out. Um, and not like the yo-yo. The yo-yo had there's plenty of levels where all of a sudden you're like gasping for the next one. I says this one will all of a sudden hit you. Yeah. <laughs> like it literally will. It'll come out of nowhere and hit you in the face. That's the way I describe it. You get to like. 22-1 with a couple of rugby league players and that's that's high yeah you got to realise my lads are coming a lot less mass oh no these guys these guys were 88 kilos and 85 kilos um, okay. yeah they. but I tell you what we did have a prop he was 115 kilos and he got 19-5 which is like <laughs> that's an engine is that, is that on the the intermittent recovery one yeah yeah 
Yeah, he's yeah. he's a fit boy though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the reason I went searching uh, to do the forty meter thirty fifteen was because I came from Walsh, we had it down, and we had all our nice XL calculators and stuff. So I did have all the results. I could then prescribe. We had calculators that converted it into like how far I needed to set out cones and things like that. Which I mean, I like to quantify things in terms of other ones like just different session and base them or too much. I mean, I think we should all be trying to set stuff up in the right manner. Um, so I um, I wasn't able to, at the time, I, I didn't think that we could prescribe from the UEO. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, I don't know what their mile speed is. I don't know what speed they run at. I mean, I don't want to just go, right, there's 40 metres out and back. Go there, it's, it's get there and back four times as fast as you can, whatever. Um, but then uh, Pete Atkinson at the ECB, um, uh, corrected me and sent me the right document to show that they worked out and it's pretty accurate actually um, uh, the speeds that we predict from the uh, from the yo-yo for the boys um, and, and so you use that to program for um, maximal aerobic speed intervals in their training yes yeah um, does, is that like at the end of the day if, if you've got time or is it just is it on the days no, between I, games it was, it was, it was more so in the sessions in during the week in the winter um, my first my first winter here again I came from that rugby gym and off feet um, environment because the boys are so, so big and heavy and they do all running anyway yeah um, so I came in and I was like right uh, okay we're doing off feet we're doing gym and then we did the season and the boys did, did fine I mean we had quite a really good season last year I mean, I mean not down to me but like and then at the end of the year the boys I mean they weren't they weren't make excuses they were just honest and said oh we think we could definitely do a lot more running next year. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time just making sure that I was, I was in the right place mentally in terms of volume, in terms of um, the Mars running stuff, um, um, in terms of the percentages. Um, like our boys would be able, at one point we're doing like sort of three sets of seven, like three or four way shuttles at about 100, it 102%. Um, and that's after like a, sort of some, a bit of sprint work and, and then again, that's that's before a gym session. Like a lot of stuff we do because we haven't got our own facilities. A lot of it's logistical based. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have the pleasure of going. Oh, I want this big rest. Like our, our, one of our Tuesdays would be meet at the track, which is about ten minutes away, and we'll do thirty minutes speed, a little bit of agility. Maybe we get the light gates out. We'll always measure something to keep them interested, and just make sure that it's working. We get enough rest between that, and then we would. Um, work through the the Mars stuff and then literally within 45 minutes you're in the gym doing a whole body session like again it's not by no means optimal but because it's not for me because of their lifting the lifting age and the intensity like we spoke about the boys still got stronger and fitter is it optimal no it's not but cricket's by no means optimal oh, I don't think so, any sport is at all well, yeah I mean <laughs> I know you wouldn't do that on a stopwatch sport like we talked about but it actually worked well the boys would even turn around and say yeah our choosers were the best days I mean they're absolutely flogged but they'll go yeah because they had Wednesday off and they'll go yeah and then because they, they would do that they would do the full hour at the track four or five minute break hour or so in the gym and then they'd have about an hour to have lunch and then they'd do two to three hours of indoor nets yeah and they'd be absolutely wrecked and then just go yeah best day like, like Really, they really knew they were working. 
and I'm thinking, yeah, it's good. I mean, I'd love to have more time in the week, but I mean, in the winter we train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and we let the boys do their own sort of little odd body session or what bike session on Friday on their own. Some of the lads might run, but they just do it on their own because it's. I mean, I suppose if you're a really lazy coach, you love the idea of only doing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, right? But I wouldn't mind having them a little bit more. Um, Is that just because of the the nature of the contracts for a lot of the players, where they're they're having no, to work no, and earn no, money? No, they're contracted, but again, we we keep some of them here. We make them stay. We don't let them go away and play like club cricket. As well. I mean, quite a few of our lads were in Australia and um, in Sydney and stuff playing club cricket. And I mean, they play once a week and they'll do a bit of coaching and they'll a lot of them train really hard because I was I was really really pleased the way our lads came back that went away. Yeah. Um, like we, uh, I mean, I might touch on the app we ended up using, but whereas the lads, we, some of them we actually put foot down, going, nah, sorry, mate, you keep getting injured, you have to stay here. I mean, normally our fast bowlers don't really get to go away because the last thing they need is a winter of more bowling for the back. They're busy yeah. having a surgery, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're busy getting the stress fight glued together. Um, but, and so for us to then turn around and go, if we can give them a long weekend each time, just chill the families or. I mean, someone go and do a bit of work experience in the city or whatever, and but and but we do we do three pretty heavy days, and then I, I do give them a fourth an option to go and do stuff on the fourth, just let them go and do a little up body pump, um, and some they were all quite keen to get a good neck and get their uh, yo yo scores up, so I'll get them on the on the walk bike or someone might run, um, go with an individual, um, but yeah, like I said the something that worked really well for us, I mean, if anyone's in cricket, is we use a, an online programming app, and, because, it's not like rugby, rugby, you don't really do gym sessions away from your SNC coach, like, it just doesn't happen, I think you and I were on the phone once, or WhatsApping, and, I was saying how, my lads do a lot of stuff away from me, and, you said that you'd hate that, because you wouldn't know what they were doing, well, I, no, I, I know what they'd be doing, they'd be doing fucking arms and chest, <laughs> No matter what I programmed. That's why I, I spend, even the time I am with my boys, I'm literally trying to influence them to do the right thing when I'm not there. I spend so much time trying to, like, I mean, they don't realise, but I'm, like, pleading the case of why doing the session I send them is the right thing. And we're, we're in a good place. I mean, the boys are doing it. I mean, I might just go, well, what would you do extra? And he'll go, bit of bench. Yeah. <laughs> like, Fair enough, no worries. Like, I'm not, don't get too precious. Um, but, yeah, the app works really well because... Like I said, gym is not a cricket thing. Um, and uh, if I send them through like, a, a PDF that you got to like, zoom in and zoom out of their email, I mean, a week's worth of emails later and it's down the list and they're like, I don't know what that email is. Yeah. But the boys always have the phone on them. Well, I mean, it's 2015, pretty much everywhere's got Wi-Fi. And the programming app worked, out, worked an absolute treat. Like, I mean, we were able to I mean, we filmed all the exercises. Um, it obviously put sets and reps in. They can, they, they can watch a video, just click the video, it comes up like a little YouTube video. They, they type in the weights they lift, it comes up on my computer. I can look in, see how they're getting on. There's a messaging system on it. So for me, has it got a place in rugby? Probably not. Maybe for, maybe for someone who's interested in doing a bit of remote programming. Um, it works quite well. Instead of sending, instead of using Excel sheets and stuff like that, I think it's quite good. Um, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm gonna have to steal that from you. Mate, even for young coaches, like 
called Strength Portal. It's got a payment set, a payment system embedded in it. Oh, cool! Um, it's got a, re- a recurring payment system set up. Um, and instead of going through the whole, here's my bank, sign up, standing order, blah blah. blah it, it, as soon as they open it up and you give them the login, they have to put their details in basically to get the program. Obviously, with our boys, I just you, from my from my web-based design, I can I can just toggle that button on and off. Yeah. So obviously, with, with the boys, I just turn it off. Um, although I might, I might try some, that'd be a great idea. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, for any young coaches, like I mean, I mean, it, the app only works out like per person. It's like one fifty a month. Oh, mate, that's you're awesome. A young, you're a young coach, and let's just say you got a decent chat on online. Sell your stuff. You can you could charge whatever you want and put it out there. You can or you can design long term programs. You just slot in like sixteen weeks or whatever worth. You, I mean, you can slot in sixteen rows of back squat and go weeks one, two, three, and you can change the sets and reps. Or let's just say you just want to go as simple as alternate weeks. You can put two set two rows of back squat in and go weeks one, three, five, seven, nine could be five fives, and weeks two, four, six, eight, ten could be five threes or like and then all all the person sees I mean they don't they don't see all the crap that sits behind. They just click in the week they're in, have a pops, oh I'm doing five threes today. I'm doing five fives and um and the app's getting the, but there are I mean that's not the only app, there's loads of them out there. But for young coaches it's a little bit money on the side. It's not labour intensive. Um I just, I I think it's a good idea for some young coaches to make a bit of extra money. Because time is a priority, like face to face coaching, which we all need to do, but we can't always do it because we're traveling or go see your families or we're at conferences or we're at work. Like I'm, I'm here all day. I can't, I can't leave the ground and go and start doing PT work. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, it's just not really kosher, is it? No. Nah. So, in case my boy, if one of my boys gets pulled out and he comes to me, oh, where's Connor? Oh, he's over training someone, he's moonlighting. <laughs> It's just not on. Nah. I mean? So, like, to be able to use the app for some private people, just a bit of extra money, because, I mean, we're not, we're not in S&C because we're going to make millions. Nah, definitely not. <laughs> so, it's just not an income stream for coaches out there. What would be some, some other resources that you'd recommend for young coaches, like specifically books? What, what books do you think are must-reads for uh, anyone looking to get into the field? Yeah. For me, it's just like if you're a decent guy, if you're a decent guy or girl, like the first few chapters are so basic. Like keep someone's eye contact, smile at them, like make it obvious that you're listening by repeating back things that they say. But then there's just little stories. I mean, I read it quite a while ago now, so I'll probably just go back and read it. But some of the quite a lot, the, the last half of the book is a bit more, a bit more in depth stories. But for that, I mean, that book's just gold dust. Um, I. If I think Chet Paradox is worth a read, maybe down the line a little bit for some people. Yeah. Um, I'm reading, I'm currently only a little bit into Mindset by Kyle Dweck. Um, oh, is that the um, growth growth mindset versus yeah. something else? Yeah. Yeah, growth mindset. And then someone, uh, Tom Farrow, I think it was, have you heard of a website called trainugly.com? I've not, no. What's it about? Oh, it, it's basically about the growth mindset. It's about, um, it's, it's, Basically, coaching and how you coach people, but bearing in mind all the time about a growth mindset, how to push it, push it that way. I've only, I've, to be honest, I've only looked at it a little bit, uh, but it looks absolutely amazing. Um, 
even for some coaches, I know it sounds a bit silly, but if you're opening up a facility, um, there's a little poster section on it, and just some of the little slogans and sayings on it, I think are absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Well, I, I think I read a quote that was... Um that kind of ties into that is by Elon Musk, who's uh, head of uh, Tesla Motors, and obviously he was at PayPal, was at um, SpaceX, and he just yeah. said that um, you know failure should be rewarded, and if, if you never fail at your job, you're not being innovative enough. Like you're not you're not yeah, um, yeah, you're not yeah you're not pushing hard enough, and that's well, that, yeah we had our we've got like un, so under nines, tens, elevens, twelves, all the way up to under eighteens, all our young performance squads we've got performance squads and that's made up of our players who are in our elite programs and academy but then obviously we have got a massive program so we they hold trials for players to make up the rest of the teams and um, kind of like i mean the way was would have youth youth teams and uh we had a big meeting about a week ago with like about 150 people so it was the kids and all the parents yeah. Uh, first of all, kind of making sure that they all know the real, kind of like the the rules about bowling loads, because we're getting a lot of young players who've got a bit of gas and bowling well, but they're all just the backs are broken, like yeah. stress fractures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these young kids are oh, you're the best bowler, right? You're going to bowl for school because you're on a scholarship. You're going to bowl for club because you're, I mean, we need you to win. And the coaches, I mean, the coaches go through the level ones, two, threes. I mean, they they bloody know the rules, but it's like they're almost to win. No one wants to like lose their job as the cricket coach of so-and-so school. So they're, they're bowling these kids into the ground. And then, I mean, they don't care when they leave school. They're gone. The next kid comes through. So we're basically trying to put a bit of pressure out there on like the welfare officers to implement these rules in terms of bowling load. Yeah. And then the other thing we touched on was, um, like, let your kids fail. Like, like we, 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 we've had kids walk off the pitch and you can see the dads, like, just have a go at them straight away. And you're like, you're doing it wrong well done. well done like you whatever you're doing you're doing it wrong I've got an 11 month old I have a clue what I'm doing but you're doing it wrong <laughs> and so we basically sat down and went you have to let them fail like how, how do you expect them but it's, it's the things that we I mean you and I we, we read this stuff we I mean did I know it before probably not did I know it now a bit but the parents it's not their fault they have no idea but so we're educating them um, about like they, they must they must fail to move forward, um, and basically basically don't don't go out and walk off the pitch in front of everyone else. Absolutely. Like, it, it, it kind of came to a head with one of our young players, and they had a little PDR meeting, and his dad was sitting there, and just out of nowhere, this I wasn't in it. It was our coach. Out of nowhere, this kid just gone. Yeah, it absolutely. I mean, I can't even underestimate how much it breaks me when you start shouting at me in the car on the way home. Wow. <laughs> getting out to try a shot that the coach is trying to make me better at. And the coach and the dad are just sat there and going, whoa. <laughs> that doesn't make me like, um, miss youth athletics at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, so, um, but yeah, like, the, the growth mindset is definitely something that's coming out and out. I mean, I speak, I speak um, or even like, that alongside, different coaching styles and the differential learning stuff. I mean, I spent a lot of time talking to Simon Nambi, um, which is quite big on Twitter. Great coach. Um, oh, mate. Uh, I can't believe he's not doing more actual high-level coaching. He should be. <laughs> that, that man could make a difference somewhere, like, 
hopefully he gets something. Uh, um, but I mean, for anyone follow him on Twitter, he puts a lot. Of, what's his blog? Coaching matters. Coaching matters. Oh, not underground athletics. Um, I'm not yeah. sure. I, I I always click on it through his Twitter, so I would say find yeah. that. Yeah. Um, they, they, he, he brings together all the top blogs, and if you can read those, if you've got time to read those, you're, you're also doing something wrong. <laughs> so, so many of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm months behind. Um, but yeah, the likes, so yeah, the likes of Simon's blog, when he brings it together. Um, and then for me, resources like, I mean, I spend a lot of time driving to work, I've got a pretty bad commute, but I just listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, I mean, what you've done bringing the podcast together, like I've listened to the first couple already. Um, I listened to, um, uh, I listened, I mean, I listened to a few funny ones, just keep me, keep me awake on the way home. Yeah. Um, but who else? I mean, the Elite FDS podcast. Well, I'm, um, I'm actually doing a, a podcast with, with Mark Watts, who's, oh. he, he does the, the Elite FTS performance one. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. do one with him this week. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, I've drawn a blank now. Who else I listened to? Um, Was it you saying Mark Bell earlier? Yeah, I listened to Mark Bell's Powercast. Okay. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> just a little bit of light listening. And you mean every now and then you do get a little nugget and go, oh, that's quite, that's quite interesting. Um, I mean, I listen to like Barbell Shrugs. Um, oh, who's the Irish guy that gets absolutely everyone on? Robbie. Robbie Bork. Yeah. Bork. Yeah, I've been on that one. <laughs> everyone, I, I mean, I am so far behind on his. Um, so I've got. Um, is, is he based in Ireland? Yeah, Robbie's based in Dublin, I think. Do you know what? Yeah, I, 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 I've heard of him before, like. So. Mate, the Irish SNCs. I was talking to um, a guy named Darren Kenner. He's he's from Dublin as well, but he coaches at yeah. Sydney Swans. And you just for some reason. Um, you know, there's a lot more people that seem to follow me in Ireland than, than England or, you know, the rest of the UK. And for some reason about Ireland as well, they're, you know, they're like the mafia. They're everywhere, Irish S&C coaches, and they, they seem yeah. to spend a lot more time and money on themselves, investing in themselves. Like they've had um, Mike Boyle, Thomas Plummer, um, Dan John, Chad Wesley Smith, Brandon Lilly, all of them have come to, to Ireland. And a lot of those guys don't come to, to England. You know, it's 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 funny. Like the this the scene and the resources that they've got there, uh, awesome. I you know Robbie's probably, I think he's actually on the Irish Strength Coaches Institute, which is a, a little business that that puts out resources to coaches. Yeah, he's he's yeah, one yeah, of those yeah, guys, and um, Barry Solon's another guy who's involved in that. Greg Bradley, yeah. who I've had on on my podcast, like they're they're awesome guys. So yeah, I wish I was Irish. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, listen, mate. Yeah, um, so, sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, both podcasts. I mean, or anyone. I mean, I, I listen to a few nutrition ones as well. Um, but yeah, like for me, any free time at all, walking to the train, driving somewhere, just get podcasts on. Like, um, get ones with Nick Wickerman, Dan John, things like that. Those guys speak well. Like the Fitcast, yeah. Kevin Larry, Kevin Larry on Fitcast. Yeah, he's still doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mate. He's been on. It's like three hundred episodes. It's ridiculous. So. Yeah, and he, he got a job off the back of it as well. Yeah, yeah, mate. Like, so for anyone that... There's always a medium to be 
doing something. Like, podcasts can always be in your ears in something. Yeah. So. Well, mate, listen, thank you very much for um, attempt number two. You, I think you've given yeah. up more time than anyone else so far. Oh, don't worry. I've got, mate, I work cricket. I've got loads of time. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you back off to the game now? <laughs> well, best of luck for the rest of the game, mate. Right. Cheers, bud. Cheers, mate. See you later.